Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, tickets, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode to discuss, among other things, establishing a sponsorship program from scratch and how rights holders and their brand partners can ensure value is Kieran Foley. Head of Partnerships, Brand, and Strategy for Danone North America. Welcome, Karen. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Jim. Pleasure to be here. Great. You are almost really starting sponsorship and partnership program from the ground up, which a lot of a lot of folks would would love the the chance to do. And you know, there've been a lot of a lot of changes at, at the company, and you know, you've come in, and and even though there are. are partnerships and, and agreements in place that some for, for a few years now, you really have almost kind of a, a blank slate to, to really say, hey, are, are we doing things right? So I'd love to just start off and hear you know, a little bit about you know, what's been happening at the company and in particular, you know, what, what you've been doing uh, in, in partnerships and, and where you hope to go. So yeah, Danone is, is a global company, massive, obviously, inside the food industry. We have our tagline, One Planet, One Health. We'd be very, very well known for our stance inside sustainability. We're the largest B Corp corporation in the world. And we're a global leader in terms of you know, where we stand on a lot of our society issues, how we're trying to be carbon positive in 2025 inside dairy. So we're a very large company. The company itself inside North America has gone through a bit of a transition. About three and a half years ago, we took over White Wave, which doubled the size of our company. So we would have been very, very well known for all of our brands inside the yogurt industry, everything from Oikos, Danimals, Light and Fit, Too Good, etc. And then we joined forces with the plant-based beverages side and coffeehouse creamers, which would be Silk, So Delicious, Stoke, etc. So a lot of um, consumers would be very au fait with the brand names, but oftentimes they don't link the brand with the overall global company that's behind all of that. So that was kind of one of the things that I I suppose I would have recognized when I came in, that we've learned a lot of very, very strong brands that individually work extremely well and extremely hard, and they have their brand manifestos and their consumer segmentations. But we have a house of of brands as well, and there's great strength to be had in that. When you look at Procter & Gamble and what they've done, or PepsiCo, what they've done, or Kellogg's and I mean the list goes on so there is massive strength in that and what I've tried to do is try to when I I first came in 
and I've been with the company now about 10 months. My background would have been growing brands, developing partnerships, understanding how we grow a brand, but also across various segments. So in my last company, Digicel, when I joined, we were in 12 markets. We went to 32. We went across different continents, different countries, different languages, different cultures. But it was, how do you spread all of that, but have the overarching essence of who you are and what you stand for? And I'm very, very lucky, as you point out, because Danone stands for an awful lot. And it is this immense company that has this super strength and super positioning and all of the right things, the things that when you join a company, you really want to be on the, the good guy side. <laughs> I really feel that we are, especially when you read about all the work that we we genuinely do. In fact, what I often say to a lot of partners when I'm talking to them is, it's rare you come across companies that walk the walk and don't talk about it. It's, it's, it's usually the other way around. It's usually they talk the talk. But over here, the company certainly walks the walk in terms of every, everything that we're trying to do around our One Planet, One Health manifesto. But we don't really talk about it an awful lot. So one of the big things I thought would be key for us is when we develop our programming through our partnerships or through our media sponsorships or through, through our entire program of activation across the marketing mix, how do we really engage people and interact with them so they know who we are? They understand that personality because that, that's key. If you're not authentic and relevant, then what are you? So it, it, you need to have those two groundings on any partnership that you're starting to program out. And, and that is that is very, very key for us. It is exciting, a little bit daunting, because you've got such massive brands with a, an expectation, a certain way of working. And it's kind of trying to tweak that, get the nuances right, understand the personalities and the, understand the ways of working within the business and try and agree with everybody. Okay, how do we... How do we finesse this to make sure that we get the greatest value for it? So on that, that's on the company side. And then equally on the partnership side. So we would have morphed into this, we would have evolved into this new position, I believe. And the company itself, about four months ago, five months ago, we have a new CEO. And Danone North America has become autonomous from the global Danone. So we now are you know the masters of our own destiny if you will and so there's a lot more eyes and a lot more pressure on us to try and make sure that we deliver and so under our new ceo's leadership and and the, the leadership team and the wider leadership team what we're trying to do is establish these processes and make sure that there's there's a clear pathway for us to really drive on and and see the company grow so it's 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 an exciting time there's a lot to do in it and there's a lot of roadway for us to run through. So you're right. I, I am very lucky, to be honest. <laughs> That's great. So if we look more specifically at, at the partnerships, then you, as I mentioned, there's, uh, there's some legacy partnerships, yeah. some, some quite yeah. significant ones. Can you talk a little bit about what, what those lo- are looking like and, and maybe how they're, they're going to change? or whether they're- Yeah, as I mentioned earlier on, and as you, as you heard me talk about, I mean, the reality is that we have some very, very big brands, as an example, We've partnered with the NFL since 2014. And that started when we launched the Oikos brand, Triple Zero. And we talked about power and performance. And what better partner than the NFL to talk about power and performance? 
So now the company has evolved and we're, we're twice the size that we were when those conversations were originally had. And Oikos is no longer a launch brand. It's kind of reviewing it to say, okay, this was done in a certain way. How do we do it now? How do we program out so that we have the widest strength of, of, of our company and how do we program it in? There's the explosion on tech and digital interaction. There's the explosion of e-gaming. I mean, I, I love the, the phrase e-gaming because it, it's or e-sports. It's like saying sports. It's, it's, not, right. it's so wide. You can't just say, yeah, how are we doing in esports? It's like saying, how are we doing in sports? So what segment, you know, how do you, you know, what is your positioning? How do you drive your consumer segmentation? How do your brands relate to that? How are you authentic and how are you relevant? And we have some big customers that we're very, very, we're very, very close with, obviously, in terms of how we progress our, develop, our, our business, such as Walmart, and Target, all the way through to like, Super Kings in uh, on the West Coast. So, and we're all over the country. So, there is not one segment of the market that you know we couldn't speak to. How do you get the, the national sense? How do you get the regional sense? And then, how do you become locally relevant? So, you've got to tie all of that in along with understanding how you talk to the various consumer segments and with all of these various brands that we have. So, it, it it, it's a myriad, or it's, it's, it's like a tangled mess until you start to get it in line and get that ball of twine wrapped around nicely so that it rolls. And, and it kind of, that's where we're at at the moment. So it, it, it's a great headache to have, but it, 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 it's, it's a challenge at times because you got to try and see through that mist. And the partners that come, being very honest with you, the leagues or teams or personalities or influencers that come with a better understanding about who you are or what you need rather than what they have to give you. And having been on both sides of the coin, I, I can really appreciate that even more. Knowing your, the phrase, knowing your audience, but knowing the partner that you're coming from, knowing the challenges that they may have, it's definitely worth a quick cup of coffee before you come with a pitch. I, I, I could, and I think most people will be open to that. Absolutely. And that's, I think, really you know, something I want to get a little deeper on with, with you because you have that experience, which, you know, not a lot of people who necessarily sit in, in, in the brand chair have been on the other side of the coin. So I think your, you know, your perspective is, is very, very valuable. And especially, I think, given the fact that, as you well know, from, from being on the, on the sales side of things, whenever word gets out that, hey, there's there's a company that's kind of in the position that you know, North America is in right now, which is, you know, they have somebody new in the role and is really taking a strategic look. You know, what rights holders going to hear is, hey, there's somebody over there that maybe is going to spend some money with me, right? So <laughs> I bet you will get, and probably are already getting, a lot of those kind of unsolicited uh, proposals or, or calls. Your advice to the folks who are coming to you and, and you started there and just saying, Hey, really understand what it is yes. uh, that, that, that my needs are. That's, you know, before you start talking about how many eyeballs I'm going to get and, and, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I appreciate the question. Cause as you said, I, I've, I've been on that both sides and sometimes that's a blessing for the rights holders. And sometimes it's a curse because I'm probably tougher than I should be in, in, in some of my responses, I'm sure. But what I, what I always do is, I would pride myself in coming back that it, it, it kills me. There's some, there's some very high-level people that I've dealt with um, 
um, I, I I know he's a, he's you know obviously a disgrace to him now at the moment. But there's a, there was Jack Warner who would never not reply to an email or a message from anybody, no matter what it said. And I always respected that, you know, that you would always find time, even the amount of emails that that man would have, or, you know, I've, I've come across some very, very senior people that I've been lucky to, to interact with through my workplace. And I always found that the really tops, they always reply, doesn't matter what it is. So I'd like to think that I'll always reply. It might not be what you want to hear, right. but I will reply and say, I'm sorry, you know, this doesn't make sense for us, you know, and, and it's to pick up on the understanding of what the direction is in the email that you're, you're trying to give. But to your point, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Trying to have the intelligence of on the market intelligence or the consumer intelligence to really do your homework and not just give a pitch to say, I've got a million billion impressions because everybody's got a million billion impressions and everybody's number one in the consumer for X or Y or what have you. It's that, how is that relevant to me and my consumers? That's, that's what it is. It's kind of, I don't really want to hear a pitch. I want to hear a strategy first. I want to hear how do you position yourself inside this arena, whether it's a sport or it's culinary or it's what is your positioning now, if, if you have one, or what your positioning could be. What's the North Star for you? How do you understand to work within this environment? Because guess what? I'm a right holder and I've been in this environment for X years. I understand this environment. And here's the value that I can give. Where, where right holders are, get it wrong is they start at the bottom going, here's all the value I can give you. And it's just noise. Because what you don't he- hear, what you don't see, is what's your role overall, whether it's you know, national, regional, local, but you, or, and whether it's connecting all three or how you connect your marketing mix. It's just, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. So you expect the brand to go and connect all of the dots. But all they get is, I I get an awful lot of proposals in, and they're all really good. And that's the problem. They're all really good. So I've got to try and understand, okay, well, what makes sense for me? So the, the, the property that comes and says, this is what makes sense for you in this world. And this is why. And this is how you would position. This is your strategy. Now, here's how I come in. Almost, You're almost secondary. And that's the reality that rights owners need to try and understand. You are almost secondary, even though you come in thinking, I am the absolute answer to all of this. Because the way, the way it's, the reality of it is, is we're trying to solve an issue for you, which is a commercial issue. But you're really trying to solve a bigger brand issue for me and a commercial issue and a positioning issue. And I can't get it wrong because if I get it wrong, I badly position myself. I'm not authentic. My consumers don't hear me. I've dropped a ton of budget and I can't go and do what I should have done in the first place. Why? Because I got my positioning wrong in the first place. The strategic overview wrong in the first place. Are there certain kind of... Obviously, every situation is different, as you said, if, if somebody's coming to you with a local proposition versus national and yeah. um, uh, brand specific and all of those kinds of things. But are, are there any kind of universal benefits that you really have to have that 
that yes. what I'm trying to do here is kind of establish, you know, give, give a little bit of baseline to any rights yes. holders who are going to watch this. At least they'll, they'll, they can get some information <laughs> out yes. of this yes. conversation that maybe they can uh, skip out having to ask you a few questions on an individual. Yeah. So, so we have, obviously, as I said, we could talk to anybody and everybody. We have so many different consumers. We, we have a huge consumer segment uh, across women. We obviously have youth with our Danimals products, Yolk Crunch. And as I say, we have to be true to who we are in terms of, you know, our sustainability approach, our B Corp corporation. So we need to be authentic and relevant. So understanding how these um, segments best relate to you and your product and how they can help us be authentic and relevant, how we come through your property to speak to the consumer, that, that is the way to do it. And then to program through three, mo three core tenets. The first two support the third one. How do you use your media program and how can I avail of that? How does your content program and how can I avail of that? All of which lead up to the commercial programming on promotions. Now, promotions can be trade or shopper, but it has to have a commercial benefit because if I came at the end of the day to say, Media and content were fantastic, and we had a million billion impressions. I'm going to look at the dial to say, what did that make commercially? Because I have to objectively understand what was the commercial relevance of this deal at the end of the day, because as nice and all as Jim Andrews and Property X is, and how great I get on with him as the owner of this rights, the reality for my company is, unless it moves the dial, I, I, I can't continue it, or I've done something wrong or I've not engaged the consumers, or I'm not relevant. So it, it has to have that payoff, and it has to be a clear pathway on how I leverage my media, how I leverage my content, and how it relates to promotions. So that is, that is the key, because a lot of people come with media and the content, and they say, we're all of this. And I'm going, okay, how do you connect the dot, please? Like, help me understand that, because without that, I'm not interested. Right. Great. Something that has come up in every conversation I've had lately, and, and part of this is because of what we've all been through in, in 2020, is the, the, the matter of, of flexibility and, and particularly brand partners needing their rights holder partners to be flexible. You know, yeah. certainly we saw that uh, this year more, more than ever before, but, but it's always been an issue. And again, with somebody who's who's worn both hats, you know, I'd love to hear your kind of perspective on how, how do we meet in the middle on those kinds of things? We understand that, you know, think, situations are going to change, even if it's not a, a pandemic, you know, marketing objectives change very likely at some point during a, especially if it's a multi-year deal, sponsor's going to come back and say, hey, we, we want to change things up. We also know that on the rights holder side, they're 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 trying to protect revenue, and and it's 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 hard to just have kind of an open inventory. Hey, you know, pick and choose what you want. Um, yeah. all the time. So, how do we get to a, a nice uh, kind of meeting of the minds where everybody feels that that they kind of won? I suppose the way I'd look at it is is the way the way the industry has reacted. Um, you see the sports industry. You see some clear leaders come out. You see, and the way you see that is they've been decisive and they've made this is what's going to happen now no one knows that they're 100 percent sure but they made a clear understanding about we have to face the reality of where we are about health and safety not just for the public but for players not for the players but just media but we also have the commercial requirements so 
if we do it as an example, the NBA did the bubble. So they, they absolutely made a clear decision. They had very, very clear leadership. Their commercial partners were then approached to say, you know, this is what we're going to do, and this is how you're going to get the commercial strength in terms of the dollars you've invested. Rather than it being lost, it's pivoted, and this is how we're going to program it out. And as a partner, as a brand, that's what you want to hear. You want to hear that if-then scenario, because the reality is, is that I've put a ton of money in. I've got to get a value out of it. Now, if it's tickets to a game, and that's the way I get my value, or if it's additional content and programming and stuff that I hadn't, unique experiences that I can offer people in this new digital required route for this time period, then that's okay too. But don't have me ask you, hey, hand up. What are you doing? I don't have a guy. I haven't got any value. What's going on? That's the worst thing in the world. This is, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people will cover their ears here, but this is an opportunity. Like either you take it as an opportunity or you become irrelevant and unauthentic and potentially lose, you definitely lose faith with, with your partners as you move forward because when the, you know, when the proverbial hit the fan, there was no direction, there was no clear plan and there was no understanding about how you give me commercial value. Because I don't, because as a brand, I have to deliver and I have to hit my targets. That means you have to be able to perform for me. If it is a pivot, then great. It's the if-then scenario. And you're going to see that come into an awful lot of contracts in the future. Because any contract that I'll be doing in the future will have a, well, if-then, what is it? Because if we don't get our full dollar for um, value, I, I can't pay you. I can't be in a legal issue with a partner that is a positive partner and one that's supposed to develop my brand. I, ca I can't be in that. So I need to understand what happens in these unlikely scenarios, which in this day and age become more likely. But the positive side of this, Jim, in my book, is that I think at the end of it all, it will showcase that sports particularly is something that is so intrinsic to people. People miss the interactive not just for the health and for the emotional well-being but the physical interaction of going to a game so while the tech side and the digital side yes i'm sure will benefit and yes i'm sure that organizations will have to understand how people consume a little bit differently or a little bit more from from now on the reality is is that people will be coming out of this in my opinion in super engaged about I can't wait to get back to sport. I can't wait to get engaged with my local team or the national team or, you know, the, 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 the league team, whatever it is. That is. And that is when leagues, teams, personalities, media, everything, they really need to showcase and rise to that occasion and give people what they're looking for and understand how they interact into the future with these guys to have the if-then scenario across all those tenants. As you say, we need to look at it as an opportunity. You know, as bad as things have been, um, you know, once we're on the other side, then there, hopefully we're just we've learned so much that we'll be able to do all of this stuff better, and we'll have the appreciation uh, for what these these things, particularly sports and, and entertainment, really mean to us. I'm sure, you and I could talk about uh, partnerships all day long. Uh, there's so much to to unpack. So. 
maybe we'll do this again and, and we'll check in with you at some point and see how you're doing unraveling that uh, that giant ball of twine. I love that analogy. Yeah, yeah I think you might find off more than you can do. Ask the Irish man to stop talking. Good luck with that. <laughs> That's why I love having Irish, Irishmen as guests. Uh, they, they are definitely uh, lots of great content. So, Kieran, appreciate it uh, very, very much. Thank you for your time. And on behalf of everyone at Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching. And please join us again for the next episode of uh, all Ac the All Access Interviews series.